0: You're listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. Hi everyone and welcome to another edition of Inside Healthcare. I'm Matt Brock, uh, Communications Director here at NCQA and today we've got a really special guest with us. He is, and we'll explain this later, the Torda Fellow here at NCQA. His name is Andrew Anderson, uh, an exceptionally smart guy with a colleague who Have conducted a study about ACO affiliated hospitals, and uh, we'll get into the nuts and bolts of that. But first, hi, welcome Andrew to Inside Healthcare. We're glad you're here. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, First of all, before we get into the into the study, because I think there are some interesting things here that will be of interest to uh, a lot of people: health plans, uh, primary care providers. I mean, there's a lot of um folks who uh have skin in this game so to speak and i think it's interesting because i think the study itself shows uh the influence of skin in the Mm. game so to speak about acos but before we get into that let's um let's talk about you a little bit how'd you come to ncqa as the torta fellow um where did you come from and uh what's your background
1: Sure. So I've been working in the quality measurement space for a little while now. Um, I came from I came from the National Quality Forum, which is an organization that um, selects high, re- highly reliable and valid measures for federal programs. Um, while I was in, at NQF, I worked on a variety of projects on uh, social risk, um, social determinants of health. Um, performance measurement tied to payment, um, and I kind of developed an interest in quality measurement at the system level and in hospital-based care.
0: Hmm. And okay. so when the Torta Fellowship sort of showed up, it, it was sort of right along, and we're going to talk about oh. this later about mm-hmm. the fellowship itself, but it was sort of right along where you wanted to be, right? Because yeah. um, the fellowship's all about performance measurement. and
1: Yeah, yeah, it was a, a almost the perfect opportunity. Um, I am also a PhD candidate at the University of Maryland um, where my research focuses on quality measurement. And so when I saw this opportunity to kind of um, merge my research interests, um, kind of work with the research teams here at NCQA who have, you know, kind of an unmatched expertise um, in quality measurement and improvement, I jumped at it. And it's turned out pretty
0: good. You're and pretty happy. Very how long? Happy. How long totally have you been the fellow?
1: Uh, so I joined in September of 2018. So it's, we're halfway a, through, right? We're halfway through. It's a 12 month fellowship. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. And
0: and then what do you intend to do after that? Do you know?
1: Uh, so I'm looking at different opportunities. I think it would be amazing to stay on at NCQA, uh, but you know there are a lot of interesting research projects going on out there here and elsewhere. So
0: well, the the cards are good for Andrew Anderson because <laughs> uh, generally the tortoise do end up staying <laughs> for some reason. Um, so it, well, I know the reason. It's a good place to be in CQA. So let's talk about the study. Let's get into it because you're very proud of it. It was it was published this week. Where was it published?
1: Uh, in Medical Care, which is the sub-journal of the American Public Health Association.
0: Is that that a specific, because for folks like me who aren't in that sort of research circle will say, um, it's a big deal, huh?
1: Yeah, it's a a great journal, Um, and they publish a lot of uh, studies on care coordination, which is why I think they picked up this paper.
0: And so they were excited to have your work in uh, their journal. Tell us about the study, what you hoped to find out and if it confirmed what you hoped to find out, mm-hmm. or if it uh, was something different.
1: Yeah, um, so I would say it, it confirmed because I was hopeful that, uh, so generally ACOs, they are groups of healthcare providers that come together to um, prof- uh, provide high quality and coordinated care, and they assume kind of uh, financial risk for a group of patients, and they really are designed to improve care coordination through a variety of strategies. And this is the first paper to kind of look at what are the specific strategies that they're using at the hospital level, um, and are they implementing these strategies um, in a way that's better, or are they, are they uh, implementing these strategies more than hospitals that are unaffiliated with ACOs or ACO networks? Uh, so this paper, as it says in the title, actually shows that they are which Mm -hmm. is great because there's so much system-level investment in ACOs, so this kind of shows, okay, we're actually seeing an improvement. Um, And most studies have focused just on whether or not there's been um, improvement in quality on a set of measures or reductions in cost, but not really that in-between mechanism that they were designed to, to kind of lead to reductions in cost and improvements in quality. So... I think that's where this, this study kind of fills that gap.
0: It is the sort of first study that shows improvement in both areas, is that? Or it's, it's showing
1: that the since they were designed to improve um, care coordination or um, increase the implementation of care coordination, that they're actually doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, Which
0: is what you suspected uh, ahead of time, but this confirms it and it gives us real numbers. Is it a stark difference?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty a pretty big difference. Um, I would say it is kind of a cross-sectional study. We just looked at one year, one year's worth of data. So uh, and given that these ACOs uh, were only implemented, at least the Medicare ones, which are the most ubiquitous mm-hmm. um, within the last five years, it's promising to see that. You know that at least um, after these hospitals have joined, that there's some association between um, you know their improvement on care coordination versus um, those that have
0: not joined. You've confirmed what uh, you suspected, and was was the stark difference between ACO affiliated hospitals and non affiliated hospitals about where you expected to be, or was it more? Hmm. You understand what I mean?
1: Uh, I would say. I think we we started out with assuming that there was no difference. And then, even though the hypothesis is kind of that there was, mm-hmm. but just to see that there is a statistically significant difference between the two um, was kind of the, uh, it was just a, surpri- a surprising finding, I would say. We, we created a, an index um, made up of 12 different indicators of care coordination, mm-hmm. um, and we could see that we, we kind of scored all of the hospitals based on this index, and so what we found was that there was a significant improvement in um, in the implementation of these strategies based on that index score.
0: Why do you suppose that is? Is it because of the financial accountability, or is it because of something else? Uh, else in those ACO-affiliated hospitals, are they more likely to have sort of a team environment, that sort of mm. thing, that in, in uh, encourages? Coordinated care, or is it purely economic? So I think I think it has a lot to do
1: with the financial incentives. Um, they are coming. So there are Medicare ACOS, there are Medicaid ACOS, there are commercial ACOS. We didn't really distinguish between the, the three different types, mm-hmm. um, and all of them have different risk sharing arrangements. They all have different quality improvement incentives. So the idea is more so that there are a group of providers that are coming together and they're sharing information about their patient population. And in doing that kind of collaboration, then we would expect to see um, them doing certain kinds of activities uh, towards that, which is what we would call these kind of care coordination activities, which include things like predictive analytics to identify high-risk patients, um, follow-up within 72 hours after discharge, things like you know home visits. And so this requires the, a hospital to collaborate with outpatient care settings as well. So you'd want, if you're your a patient is uh, admitted to a hospital. You would want that patient's primary care provider to be notified. Mm-hmm. So those kinds of activities is what we try to capture in the study.
0: So after after you have sort of confirmed that it works mm-hmm. and that it works better um, mm-hmm. for the patient and for the organization, so to speak, and economically, what are next steps in the sense of what do you think are the next steps in terms of? of research, but also what's next steps in terms of turning the industry in this direction? Mm.
1: Uh, so I think this is just like the first baby step towards studying the types of care coordination practices that are done um, in ACO hospitals. I think there, are, there's, we're, since this, again, this is still very in the early stages mm-hmm. over the next five years or so, or even looking back, since we just looked at data from 2015, we'd want to see maybe even from 2011, or we'd want to focus on just hospitals that are in Medicare ACO programs so that the policy implications could be a little bit more defined. But I think these are encouraging findings because there are a lot of healthcare providers that are still kind of hesitant to join um, ACOs, but still about 20 20 percent of U.S. community hospitals are part of ACO networks already. If this study can point to, if you join an ACO, maybe you'll be better at um, doing, or you'll ha- uh, your care coordination efforts might be um, more productive. More productive. So I think in that way, the study kind of points to that. Pushes kind of, gentle you know, push. Gentle push, and 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 to other researchers to kind of look into this area because one other thing that we don't know is. Um, there's an assumption that care coordination uh, reduces costs. And we know that care coordination is like a good measure of quality. There are many care coordination measures, but we don't, there aren't a lot of studies that have looked at whether or not it actually leads to to cost reduction, which is an assumption that's kind of built into the design of of, an ACO, ACO. but it hasn't
0: necessarily been hard researched, hard proven. Exactly,
1: and there have been some researchers that have come out with opinion pieces basically saying there's no evidence for this, (laughs) but we do know that it it is good care, period, so it it improves patient experience, reduces, you know, readmissions, (laughs) exactly.
0: But it would be nice to know if, in terms of economics, it saves organizations money or saves on the cost of care, so Mm -hmm. in terms of, of research, that's probably an area we should look into, you think?
1: Yeah, exactly. I think it's a part of a much larger research agenda around this issue. Like, this is just the beginning. I would say there are many different research questions that kind of stem out of this type of work.
0: By the way, Andrew's being humble because, and it's a trait <sighs> of researchers like himself to say that the things they do are small. It's actually not small. It makes a big difference on the future, and it gives us reason to look further, especially about things like um, the economics. And in fact, on our next edition of Inside Healthcare, we'll talk to one of the plans who is uh, working in this area and also working in the social determinants of health mm. and how they can be applied in ACO organizations, but also coded mm. and uh, and tracked? So we're very excited about that. Excited about that. So you'll want to tune in to the next Inside Healthcare for that. Mm. Let's talk about your role as the Torta Fellow. You are number. Two three. or three? Three. You're the third Torta Fellow. And uh, for those at home who don't know who Phyllis Torta is, she was an executive here at NCQA, passed away uh, with cancer three or four years ago. I'd say four years ago now. Mm-hmm. And uh, NCQA uh, formed this fellowship in her name because she had such an impact on the quality universe, and we wanted to continue her legacy. And so far, so good. It's working out, and folks like... Andrew, are making an impact on the quality universe, just as uh, Phyllis might have. So we're excited about that. How did you find out about the fellowship? We'd like to know that since we've been promoting it. So oh. how did you find out?
1: Uh, so I actually worked uh, when I was at N- uh, NQF. Mm-hmm. I worked on a committee that uh, Sarah Scholey, who's uh, the VP of Research and Analysis here, uh, at NCQA, she was the one who actually told me about the fellowship and I did some additional research and I was like, this looks like a really good fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up applying through that connection.
0: Someone like yourself in the, in the area of uh, quality improvement research, why would, recommend to them, or you don't have to if you don't want to, but <laughs> why why is this good for, for their career, for their future?
1: Uh, so I think there are a number of Kind of answers to that. I would say, if you're really passionate about quality and measurement and improvement, this is kind of the one of the number one places to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it gives it is uh, unparalleled opportunity to kind of dig into a research area or a project area or whatever it may be that um, is of real interest and kind of develop subject matter expertise in a certain area. Um, I also think that the resources that NCQA have here in terms of data, in terms of expertise, in terms of um, the access that they have to different stakeholders in the healthcare system is also a really good uh, way to, to kind of learn from the system level how quality measurement works and what the priorities are for the healthcare system kind of moving forward.
0: And they really allow you to sort of tailor it to your interests, correct, and to your expertise.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, in the application process, you pitch a project idea that you will independently kind of implement within the 12-month period. And all of the, they give you all of the support that you need to kind of implement it. They give you access to conferences and experts. Um, so there's a lot of uh, kind of ways to to go about doing the fellowship in a way that's kind of tailored to your interests and kind of
0: aligned with NCQA's priorities. For more information on the Torta Fellowship, you can find it on our blog at blog.ncqa.org. Just search Torta, you will find it. Torta is spelled T O R D as in dog A. So it's the Torta Fellowship, and we're very proud of it, and we're very proud of you, Andrew. Thank you very much for joining us today and talking to us about the study. One last question: mm-hmm. If I want to see the study, where do I go? You said it was published, so
1: ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so it's in Medical Care. It's in the, tw- uh, the February issue, um, but you can just Google um, aco affiliated hospitals increase the implementation of care coordination strategies, <laughs> which is a long
0: title, but ooh, he moved yeah. up to the top of the Google list. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you again for joining us. And you also want to, you can check the blog if you want more information too, because uh, we'll be uh, pointing you to the study from there. So again, blog.ncqa.org. Thank you, Andrew, for joining us. Thank you, you at home for joining us. We hope to see you again uh, on Inside Healthcare. I'm sure we will see you again, no doubt. Bye now.